you do your roux in a microwave. This gut is beautiful and it's full of gumbo. Nick Saban puts tomatoes in his gumbo. Welcome to the Gumbo Show. Gumbo is a way of life. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Gumbo Show, a show where we preach the gospel of Louisiana's best food and most famous culinary export. In Southeast Louisiana, I'm Feynman Roberts. I'm joined by my expat co-host, Brent Barksdale from Texas and Dave Huguenel in Virginia. And today we are going to have a very special show. We will be joined by a ghost, uh, guest and not a ghost. Brent, uh, why don't you introduce our guest and tell us a little bit about him? Okay. So our guest today is very special to me because uh, there is an episode upcoming where we talk about our favorite gumbos. And this guest is responsible for that gumbo. But anyway, this is our guest today is Jonathan Perry. I'm just going to run through the list. And, and what's funny, Jonathan, is I know you more on a professional level, and I know that you make an incredible gumbo, but I don't really know how that all got started in your life and how your love of gumbo began. And we're going to talk about that today. So Jonathan Perry, former police officer, former state representative, former state senator, and now a judge and a Cajun comedian. Husband, father, Jonathan Perry, thank you so much for being on the show. Dude, it is awesome to be here. Uh, thank you for asking me. Um, seriously, I, I, I think this is really cool. I appreciate y'all uh, allowing me the time to come on. Well, I think you're the reason we're having this show. Um, and just so you know, this all started because I would text pictures of gumbo to Feynman and Dave, and we just would always talk about gumbo, and that's how this podcast started. And you're, you're, you're going to be mentioned a lot on this podcast because... Um, you know, you live in Kaplan, and I, sometimes I sneak out that way, and you fix me gumbo, and it's the best I've ever had. So, how? Tell us about your gumbo journey, because I need to know. Well, uh, it probably whether it's gumbo or anything else. I was um, all right. So I'm, I just turned forty-eight last week, and so I was a latchkey kid before people knew what a latchkey kid was. You know, like kind of growing up by a single mom. So I'd get home, and I tell tell the story that I just, I started cooking on my own. Um, probably, probably get in trouble for it now, but I mean, my mom was working. So I'd get home off the bus, go in third grade, um, you know, literally eight, nine years old. And I'd make an egg sandwich or I would start, um, you know, frying things and think, and it just, nobody thought anything about it. It was just how I was. I just, I would go home, cook my food, you know, start my homework when my mom would get home. And through that, I just, a lot of trial and error. Um, and I think if you consider yourself a Cajun, especially as a male, if you can't cook or you ain't a Cajun, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, if, if for any, any, any ladies that are going to listen to this, if your man says he's a Cajun and he can't cook, then you know he's from Monroe or something. He's from, <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't from south of I ten. I can tell you that. But it, it's just, um, it's it's. I I love cooking. I, I truly love cooking. It's something I could do for a living. Um, it, you know, if that, you know, would would have panned out that way. I just I love it. I I love the process. Um, from the prep to the whole thing. Uh, you know, the the whole process to the finish. Um, you've, you've seen me when I, when I cook big meals for people, I'm more worried about taking care of you and, you know, how is it? You know, I, I just, it, it's, it's just a way for me to, to make people happy. Um, I know it sounds corny, but it, it really is. It's just, it's a way for me to make people happy. 
because the line I'm in, I'm always worried about trying to please people, you know, from a, being a politician and being an attorney, you know, that kind of allows me just to, if it makes sense, to break loose and just not worry about anything and just do something, uh, something that I love. And for everybody listening, just know that uh, Jonathan has something, I call it a man cave. I don't know what you call it, but he's created, um, what do you call, explain to me what, what this place is man, that you created. So, so uh, I bought my law office um, in 2004 and one portion of it, um, it's, a, it's a really big old hardware store in downtown Kaplan. And when I bought it, it had already been divided. So you had two, two sides. One side was a a professional side that I set up as my law office, which is actually still my judge's uh, office. And the other side for probably about the first eight years was just storage and junk and rats and snakes. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it was just, you were scared to go on that side. And, you know, just as the, the kids get got older and I got a little bit more financial freedom, just started, you know, fixing it up and doing things. And, um, it's one of a kind. I'll say that it is an incredible area. We use it um, for family. I don't like. I mean, it, it. You could rent it if you wanted to, but I don't. I mean, it's just something that I, you know, spend time with our family and you know, watch football and cook. And um, it's a really, really uh, unique uh, atmosphere. It's kind of like an industrial kitchen because that's it, right? it, it is. Um, but it's it, it's it's big as you've seen. I mean, we have a we have a pool table, fool's ball table, ping pong table. Uh, we have a large screen that we, you know, everybody can just sit around and watch and you, you never feel cramped. It's, it, it's very inviting. Um, and I set it up for that purpose of just so people could come and I could cook for them and um, just really relax and, and have a good time. Yeah. A couple of months ago, I was driving through Kaplan and you said, I said, I think I can come by. I say, great. I'll make you gumbo. I show I, up. I, I, seriously, you know, I did that just for you. I know. I show up thinking it's All just right. me and Jonathan like last time. And then the mayor walks in and then 42 other people walk in and like the whole town's there just because he was making gumbo. Well, I just it, sent out it was a, a great that, day. Great gumbo. I sent out a text that morning. I said, look, I got gumbo at 1130. Anybody want to come by? And, you know, it was packed. And yeah. They came by. So let's talk you about your gumbo. Huge pot. Well, go ahead, Feynman. I was just going to say you must have a huge pot. Oh, I got about six. Yeah. No, sir. I, yeah, I got six. No, it's industrial. Going. The, 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 the biggest I got, I could probably, I feel comfortable, I could probably feed about 150. Wow. Like a crawfish pot you got? It's bigger than that. It's a little bit bigger than what a crawfish pot. Like the one that I cooked for Brent, we probably, and because I always cook extra, um, which we're going to get into why you cook extra, because it's even better once it's frozen or once it's cold and it, and it, and it marinates and all that. But anytime I cook, I always cook extra just to freeze it for my family. I mean, I'm married. I got four kids. So, you know, it's it's, it's always good. We come in late from sports. Um, you know, we haven't gotten anything. You just go down, get something, get a, a, a container of gumbo, put it on on the stove, add a little bit of water at the bottom to, you know, so it doesn't burn at the bottom. You know, in 10, 15 minutes, you got gumbo. that Which is a lot of times is going to taste better than the first time, as I mentioned, because it's just marinated over that time but i always always cook uh more than whoever's going to be eating I, I i've just always done that um that's probably a bad thing for me not that it goes to waste you always eat it but it's just i always i always make just a large amount um anytime i'm cooking anything so i have a question i'm here to learn and i want to know so why is your gumbo better than 
all the other gumbos that I've had. Man, I think it's, I, I, I'm not going to say mine's better than anybody's, but I'll put mine against anybody's. And, I, and I, what I mean by that is I don't, I mean that seriously. Like I've tasted other gumbos at restaurants or whatever else. And I'm like, man, this, this, this shouldn't even be on the menu. <laughs> but then I'll go to another restaurant and I'll, I'll taste it. And I'm like, this is the, this is one of the best gumbos I've ever eaten in my life. I mean, at restaurants. Um, and it's very subjective. I've judged gumbos as you, as you have, I know for a fact. Um, so it's very subjective in that it's what the person, t- you could have six judges, but not all six are going to like the same gumbo. It, it's not possible. Some's going to like a darker root. Somebody's, somebody's going to like a medium root. Somebody's not going to like the, the, the texture that's still remaining on the onions. Um, right. You know, some's not, some's going to want fresh sausage and not on Dewey. Somebody, somebody's going to want both. So it really just depends. I mean, what parts of the chicken are you cooking? It's very subjective, but I would say why I think my gumbo is good um, is because I've gotten it to where it's very consistent, if that makes sense. I don't, there's not a lot of things I change on my gumbo because over the years of cooking, um, I've made some bad batches and I go back and say, okay, what did I do? You know, why did it taste this way? Um, and I think I've just gotten in probably the last five years to where I've gotten it to where it's the consistency. I'm talking about from the thickness to the taste to everything, I think it's just spot on. And so I don't mess with it anymore. It's like, I, I know what I need to do and I do it. And it, it's, it, 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 like I said, I just, I'm not saying mine's the best, but I'll put mine against anybody's. I have some other questions, but Fame and Dave, any specific questions about that? Well, I, yeah. I, to I, dive I, deep. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I've heard a lot about your gumbo from Brent and <clears throat> I don't think I've ever been to Kaplan, but I might make a trip there specifically for it. Cause I got to try this gumbo, but you got to tell me like, you don't have to give away the Jonathan Perry secret, but, Tell me about your gumbo. You're making a chicken and sausage gumbo, I take it. Yeah, most I, I would tell you the chicken and sausage is is my favorite to make. I think it's probably my best. When you start getting into uh, seafood, that's really when you start messing with some with, with everybody being subjective because mm-hmm. some people don't want oysters in it, some people don't want crawfish in it. You know, it really just depends. But so I guess for the points of what we're talking about today, I would say, yeah, you know, what I'm talking about is just your you, your, your, your comfort, your 100% comfort food of a, a chicken and sausage gumbo. So, I mean, you you do your roux. Is it just vegetable oil and flour? Well, well you- surprisingly, a lot of times it's 50-50. And a lot of times, um, I, I look, I'm going to tell you right now, some people are going to say, oh, my goodness, he claims to be a Cajun. What else? Let me tell you this. The store-bought roux has come so far that it's just, it's almost as good as a homemade root. And some people's going to argue with that, but I'm going to tell you, you go get you a, you go get you a jar of Savoy's, Richard's, a carry root. Now I personally, for no reason, I probably use Savoy's more than anybody, any other, just because it's readily available in the, in the stores around me. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to have that much of a different taste. And the reason being is, is because every time you make a root, that roux, I don't care what anybody says, the roux's not going to be 100% consistent as your last roux. These store-bought roux are consistent. It's, it's, it's manufactured in machines. So every time you get a jar, I would, I would submit that it's, it's, it's consistent. And so I would say um, the store-boughts are just as good. But to answer your question, 
I do it 50, 50. Um, you know, a lot of times when I'm making a bigger room for more people, that's when I'm going to use a store bought. If I'm, if I'm doing it for a smaller group, six, eight, 10 people, then I might make a homemade one. But when I'm talking about doing one for 75, 100, 150 people, I'm talking about a large quantity of root. And you try to make that from scratch, bro, good luck. Because, because that, that's, <laughs> you look, you look stores at stores you're talking about are I good mean, stores. minutes to an hour of possibly burning it and starting from scratch and all that. Right. Man, you know, if, if you're doing it good for you, I'm happy for you, but I'm just, all the haters on the on the storeboard uh, roof, I'm 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 not I'm not one, I'm not a part of that that group. There, but Jonathan, something. we can't I can't go to the store that you go to. So I, my storeboard oh, no, roof would I'm be horrible. Saying, Yours would be the good right. storeboard roof. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll say you actually said something earlier that just brought me straight to home as 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 I was thinking about what you said, which is you know going back to your to your man cave as Brent calls it. You know you're you're. One of the things about Cajun cooking that I think people outside of Louisiana don't, don't understand is that, you know, when you make a gumbo or something like that, it's almost like like a flash mob of family and friends that show up uh, when you make that food. And, and that's gumbo is so much about family as much as it is about just how good it is. And that's, you know, that's that, that's a part of the culture uh, that, you know, you know, if you're if you're doing Cajun cooking, like you're not cooking for yourself, you're cooking for everybody. I, I can't remember the last time I cooked a meal for me. Right. I can honestly not remember the last time I sat down and I said, I'm cooking this meal because JP likes it, because JP wants it. I, I always cook. Man, I, today, I, can't, I, I left my, kid, my, my son's um, uh, lacrosse game, and as I'm walking off the field, I'm like, all right, what y'all want for tonight? <sighs> Boy, that's, man, that, that's horrible English right there, huh? Which I, I love want it. For tonight. But the sad part about it is they knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Which I want for tonight. They know I'm going to the store buying something. Uh, but my point being is, it's, it's not like I said, I'm going to cook this. You know, this is what we eat. And I'm like, okay, what do y'all want? And we kind of, you know, go from there. So I, I, I completely agree with you. And funny thing is I cook all the time. I, I, I try to cook every night. I mean, as much as I can, if, you know, if I'm home and that. I've seen the and pictures. So, Oh no, I do all the time. I mean, you send me pictures. pictures. You just got a new grill, so you're sending me all that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so one of the things I have an 11 year old uh, daughter, my youngest girl. Well, she's always in the kitchen with me. Kind of grew up in it, and she always wants to help. You know, whether it's stirring, whether it's helping cut this or put this in or whatever else. And so it was funny. Um, probably about a year ago, she says, "Daddy, what's the most important thing about cooking?" So. This is what I'm going to tell you. This is going to catch everybody off guard. I told her, and you can ask, if she walked in right now and I'd say, Marley, what's the number one thing you need to cook? It's for me, it's music. I do not cook without music. Love it. That's a fact. I, I will not, I don't care what it is. And most of the time, it's something that is, I'm feeling that's associated with whatever I'm, I'm cooking. Um, so a lot of times when we come in, the first thing I do, before I open the refrigerator, get anything out, I got my jam box on. I got it Bluetooth, and I'm playing music. It, we do that at our house. Yep. My fam when my family walks in, if they hear the music, daddy's cooking. Daddy's cooking. Just, that's part of it. Now, some people are going to think that's silly, and what's the point of me even bringing that up? That's just how I was raised. I mean, I was raised of always having music in the house, and it's associated. And, and, and Dave, like you said, I mean, it's just it's part of – the Cajun culture, it's, it's part of, you know, just, just having fun and, and having the family there and, and everybody being loose and laughing and 
Um, a kitchen should not be quiet. You know, a, a, a home kitchen should not be quiet. There should be noise. <laughs> there should be entertainment. There should be, you know, um, I'll grab my daughter and start slow dancing, you know, especially if George Strait, the chair comes on. George Strait, hands down, greatest country singer ever to ever sing. The chair, y'all need to look that up. That's the greatest country song. It's a great song. song. Yep. So that comes on, we slow dancing in the kitchen. Yeah. And Jonathan has music at his uh, man cave. He has uh, performances and he'll do the comedy thing and it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh, back to your gumbo. Uh, yeah, I know. I may know the answer to this because you told me that. Is there a secret ingredient or a secret that makes your gumbo stand out, or just a secret ingredient that you don't mind sharing? You told me one a couple years ago that I use quite a bit. Yeah, well, I'll let you tell that one. Um, I, I really, it, it doesn't bother me. One of the things that I, I started um, implementing probably about ten years ago, and people will say, "Man, what is that? What?" You know, what, what's that flavor, whatever else. So, and it's not, a, I mean, I tell anybody how I make my gumbo. I, I think that's part of it. I think it's sharing. I think it's it's helping people become better um, cooks for their family and their friends. One of the, the things, I'll give you all two things. One of the things is um, I take tasso, which tasso is basically pork smoked meat. And I cut that up as fine as I can. I mean, it's a little bitty small and that goes in. And I put a lot. And that gives it a really strong smoke flavor, if that makes sense. Um, now, some people say, oh, well, that's a given. You know, a lot of people put tasso. Okay, I'm just saying the way I do it is I chop it up very, very fine to where oftentimes it's going to be in your bowl and you may not even realize it. I'm not there for the texture. I'm not there for the eye. I'm there because that's what's going to give it some of that smoked flavor, if that makes sense. Another thing I do, and people it kind of catches people off guard once i cook the gumbo and i'm I, I, you know and i turn it down and i, I or i turn it off or I'm, I'm letting it simmer and i try to let it simmer as long as i can depending on you know the time and when people are there right before i serve i'll take honey and i just drizzle honey on the top of my gumbo and i stir it in and i back off you're not going to even know it's in there but again it's a little bit of something that people don't realize. And I often have people come and they say, man, this is the best gumbo I've ever had. They had something that was that was sweet. But somebody's going to hear that and say, oh, man, he's putting honey in his gumbo. That's gross. That's where did you hear that? I mean, where did I you mean, get that idea? I, 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 I did it myself. And there, this is how I came up with it. When I make a corn mock shoe, a corn mock shoe, the same thing. And when I'm making a corn mock shoe and I let it sit, okay, turn it off, put the lid on, and I let it kind of simmer. Right before I serve it, I'll lift that and I'll take some honey. And, and I'm talking about drizzle. I just fast drizzle it on top and I don't touch it. It almost caramelized, you know, gets that uh, caramelization on top of that corn mock shoe. And when somebody's going to take it, they're going to get some of the corn. They're going to get some of the tassel flavor. They're going to get something. And so I said, man, one time, let me try that in the gumbo. And I'm telling you, look, I, I couldn't even tell. It's not like I sit there and I measure, but in a big pot. It might be a quarter of a cup, you know, just something like that to give it that flavor. Um, and I think that's something that really gives it a little bit extra. Um, it's not like you're going to taste a sweetness on top of everything else, if that makes sense. But it's just something that I've added that um, I ain't got no complaints. Let me tell you that. <laughs> ain't nobody complained about it. Fame, what do you I think mean, about that? If I don't tell anybody, they don't know. Right. I think. I think the the tasso thing. I was like, okay, tasso. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I I've never done it, but sure. Yeah, that's 
that's standard. The honey thing, that's sort of like I, that. That's a pretty mind blowing trick that I certainly never thought of, and I've never heard of anywhere. I'm. That's really interesting. I think that's a that's a true insiders insiders well, trick right there. And I, I tell you, the, the reason again, going back to the Kormak shoe, my Kormak shoe is out of this world. Now y'all need. I, I know we're talking about gumbo. So you know, one day y'all have to explain to the to, to the listeners what Kormak shoe is. But I make I make Kormak shoe a lot of times with an etouffee or shrimp and egg stew or something like that. And people would just literally come up to me and say, what are you putting in your corn mock shoe? How do you make your corn mock shoe? And so that's kind of where it went. I'll explain to them, you know, drizzle some honey the last minute, kind of gives it a little sweetness on top or whatever else. And that's what made me just kind of say, okay, look, I'm going to throw that in the gumbo and see what, see what happens. So if you mm -hmm. warm up your gumbo like two weeks later, do you put in a little more honey on it again? Or is that the one time? Nothing, no, one time. I don't add anything. Right. Once we freeze it or... Um, I'll tell you, I'm going to let you in on uh, one of the tricks. One of the uh, older gentlemen that was at this last Google cook I did that Brent was there, um, he came up to me. We we're talking or whatever else, and, uh, you know, he complimented on the gumbo or whatever else. And he said, you know what, Ma? and uh, his wife recently passed away. And he said, you know what she used to do? He said, you know, he, he said, we really finally made a difference. And I'm telling you, I'm going to try this. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about cooking, man, and just talking to people and being honest with each other. His wife would cook. So let's say it's a Sunday afternoon gumbo. His wife would cook it all Saturday. She would let it cool. She would take it, put it in the refrigerator. Then when the family comes the next day on Sunday, she puts it back on the stove and reheats it. The flavors just start popping because it's had the overnight marinating kind of what we talked about. Um, now, the, the, the issue with that is just to, to let listeners know, you got to be careful. If it's strong on the front, front end, when you're going to let it cool down or you're going to freeze it and bring it back, it's going to be stronger. So you just got to be careful on how you handle that seasoning on the front end. If that makes sense. But she, but I had never heard that. So I'm, the next time we do it, if especially if it's small for family or whatever else, I'm going to do that. With a big one, you know, with a big gathering, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I mean, for family or whatever else, I'm going to do that. Cook it. Put it in the refrigerator, let it cool overnight, pull it back out, and then go from there and see how we how we work with it. That makes sense to me. I mean, I we've talked about this on the show before. I don't think I've ever made a gumbo that didn't taste better the next day. It always tastes better the second or third day that I'm eating it because, it like you said, it, you know. So so yeah, it's like well, if you got the time, you know, why not just go ahead and like make that a step and just right. you know, that makes perfect right. sense to me. And especially because it takes so long to cook a lot of times. Right. Like if you're going to have people over for dinner the next day, all you got to do is throw that pot on the stove right. and, and cook some rice and you're good to go. And yep. it's, it's a lot easier. So yeah, no, that's, yeah. uh, that's definitely something I like to do. Can I bring up the, uh, the secret ingredient? That's not that secret. Yeah. Which yeah, is, you told me several years ago, which is garlic salt. And uh, since then, I've used that on a lot of stuff. But so, uh, hey, 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 tell me, it changed your life, bro. I love garlic salt. <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife knows. Change your life. We end up changing lives on this show. That's right? what we do. That's One that's episode what we do, at a time. Man. Honey drizzle that, at a time. Even with the garlic salt, that was nothing that I heard or saw. I'm telling y'all, it probably was something that I looked around. I didn't have any salt. I didn't have any, you know, other flavoring. And I was like, all right, let's go. And so I... I I used it and I was like, oh, wait, 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 this is, this is, this is a little game changer right here. Um, and then another thing I tell y'all, um, I saw this from judging a gumbo. So this was probably close to 
man, probably 18 years ago, I was judging, uh, I was on a Kaplan city council and I was judging a, a gumbo cook-off in the city park. And I went over and this lady who actually used to teach me math in uh, junior high, uh, Miss Nancy Matthews, she was cooking and she was known as a good cook. So she's cooking her gumbo and I look in and she's got fresh sausage. Well, a fresh sausage is in whole links in her gumbo, meaning that what does most people do? They're going to chop up in little nuggets their gumbo, I mean, their, their fresh sausage, and they're going to put it in there. Well, she didn't. She had three, you know, two, three links just in there boiling with everything. So, so Miss Nancy, I said, what, what, why you, what you doing? Why you? So she said, boo, let me tell you. She said that right there. She said, that's what wins me this contest. And I said, why? So she explained it to me. What she does is you're basically boiling it. So what, and this is how I, you can ask Brent, this is how I, I've done it. Ever since she told me that and I started doing it, I put it in, whatever it is, because I put on Dewey, which you don't need to do that because the on Dewey is already a hard casing. But the fresh sausage, I'll put the entire links in there and I'll just let them boil. Ain't no, no specific time frame, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, whatever else. Somebody may disagree with me. I don't think you can overcook sausage. You just put it in and you let it go. Probably 30 minutes before I'm ready to serve the overall gumbo. Then what I'm doing is I'm taking the links out and I'm going to cut them. I usually take scissors. I usually take my uh, kitchen scissors and I'll cut them into the link, you know, the small little half inch to inch, whatever you want to call it, nibbits that you, you see. And then I put it back in. Now, why I do that? It's not going to eliminate all of the grease, but it's going to eliminate probably 80 to 90 percent of the grease coming out of that sausage. If you chop them up, then you put them in and start cooking. So what's going to happen is, is it's going to reduce that oil film that you see on the top of most gumbos and you're going to still get the same flavor. So I'm just telling you all from. So it's a healthy gumbo. Well, it's from eye appeal, to be honest with you. I mean, right. eye appeal yeah. makes it look better. I personally don't like a greasy gumbo. Right. Uh, I'm going to eat it, but I'm just saying, I think it just always looks better. And it's, it's just, I mean, when you're going to sit down and you're going to look at it, what's the first thing you eat with? Your eyes. Right. You're going to look at it. And if it looks nasty, man, you got a, you got a big hurdle to overcome trying <laughs> to get them to think that it's going to taste good. It's just part of it. It's how we're wired as humans. Bro, I'm getting deep on y'all. This is good. This is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've been hating. We finally met somebody who, who thinks about gumbo as, as, as much, much as, as we, we do. do. Yeah, I mean, and really probably who's thought about it a lot more. I texted Jonathan. I said, you ready for today? He's like, I was born ready. He said, get excited. I said, bro, I was born excited for I was born excited, yeah. <laughs> hey, Feynman, in 10 seconds or less, tell him your secret with the casings. Yeah, well, so this is one that some somebody told me, a, a buddy of mine from Laplace told me, he said, you know, you buy a good long stick, like big, thick andouille, right? Yeah. And he he said what his mom taught him was you cut the andouille, you cut the casing longwise, okay. and then just peel the casing off whole. And then, and I've always cut up the andouille, I've never put it in a hole. So you, but when you put your meat in, you drop the casing in too, because there's so much smoke flavor on that casing. And you just let that simmer in the gumbo because it brings more smoke flavor and more of that andouille flavor into the gumbo. You don't eat the casing. You just fish it out when you're done cooking or you just leave it That's in. What I was going to say, so will, that, will, will it then look like you have some ground meat? No, the, the andouille doesn't break up. It, 
I mean, you you just oh, it stays together. Yeah, this this andouille that he gets from a place in Laplace, it's okay. big round. I mean, it's it's a you know an inch and a half in diameter, oh. and when you cut it up, it stays together, and it's just it's a. I mean, you could peel the casing off it, and you can cut it in rounds or half rounds, however you. you want to do it, but then you just drop the casing in with it and let that cook because I I mean, you, you pick up that andouille and you you just run it under your nose and it's just smoky and spicy. Yeah. And he's like, man, look, a lot of that's in the casing. So you just cook the casing along with the gumbo. You just don't eat it. Eat it. You just fish it out and, and yeah. throw it away when you're done. And and I found that to be a uh, a great trick. But I think you have to get – you can't do it with any andouille. You have to get the the particular, you know, andouille with the – I forget the name of the place where he gets it in. Well, in it, it, I mean, it almost sounds like it'd have to be some fresh andouille, not yeah. you know, prepackaged. You know? Right. No, no, no. That's right. That's right. Because I've tried it with prepackaged and it doesn't it doesn't work the same. And and, you know, prepackaged andouilles, it's just not as good. I mean, this yeah. andouille, when you when you put it in your in your kitchen, you can smell it as soon as you walk in because it's just it starts to smell like a smokehouse. It's it's fresh. It's it's a, I mean, it makes a huge difference in the gumbo yeah. for sure. Um, hey, so fellas, that's something I try to do a lot. I think uh, what we're going to have to do here is do two episodes. So. uh Let's pause here, and then uh, let's start episode two. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll... I'll uh, you want to take us home? That's going to do it for this, uh, this edition of The Gumbo Show, part one of our epic gumbo interview. Where I'm bringing Cap- it, I've got to have a part two, man. Part two. The Kaplan <laughs> legend, That's right. Jonathan Perry. So look, uh, be sure to hit us back with any feedback on this episode on our socials, Gumbo Show uh, on Twitter and at Doug Gumbo Show on Instagram or on our website, gumboshow.us. And be sure to stick with us next time as we come back with part two of our interview with Kaplan's biggest Penn State fan and most famous cook, John. You had to do it, huh? You had to do that. <laughs> had to. Had to. May your roofs be dark and your bowls be full.